On this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast, we discuss Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community, together with our usual shout-outs and Jojo B's recent birthday in Brighton. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrant Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hi. <laughs> your, your hellos get like more and more melancholic by every show. <laughs> I'm sorry, you'll have to forgive me. I haven't been very well the last few days. You haven't. Again. Again. It's yeah. been a running, a, a regular occurrence at the moment. I know. But... It's also been a big day for you recently, Jojo B. It has indeed. It was... My birthday! Your 45th birthday! 45th. You don't look a day over 44. You're screwed. I am not 45. Thank you very much. There's nothing wrong with people who are 45. No, there's not. But that's adding quite a few years to me. And so I haven't lived that long yet. <laughs> and, uh, and where did I take you, Jojo B? You took me to the lovely seasidey town of... Brighton. The seasidey town. The seasidey town. <laughs> of Brighton. Yes. I did indeed. How was your birthday weekend experience? It was fabulous because the weather was just amazing. Amay. We could have been anywhere. We could have been like in Portugal or we could have been in Spain or whatever. Because, yeah, south of France. Yeah, it was just stunning. Absolutely stunning. Blue skies, lovely blue sea-ish, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Pebble yeah. Beach. We'll forgive Brighton for the pebbles. Yeah. But it's okay. I come from the land of sandy beaches, so. <laughs> sandy beaches. Yeah, along the north. Beautiful women. Yeah. Picturesque landscapes. That's the northeast. It's place. none of that, people. No, whatever. It's all of those things. The northeast has lovely sandy beaches and very beautiful women and very scenic landscape. Mm. Thank you very much. But Brighton was a brilliant place to go for this weekend. And uh, just a bit of a backstory on the reason I took Jojo B to Brighton. So a few years oh, ago... Oh, he's going to tell this story again. Uh, our, our lovely listeners haven't heard this story. Oh, dear. After the first year of our anniversary, our wedding anniversary, um, it, which is the 13th of June, two weeks later is Jojo B's birthday on the 29th of June. Yeah. And I decided that, you know what? I'm going to surprise my wife. She's a married woman now. I'm going to take her somewhere amazing for her birthday. So I was like, all right, where should I take her? So obviously, I went for the romantic option. Let's take her to Paris for her birthday. She's going to absolutely love it. So I booked the tickets. We were going to fly in the morning and come back in the evening. Like an amazing, impromptu, spontaneous day trip to Paris. So I thought, all right, I need, a bit, I need a bit of a ruse so she doesn't let on to the fact that I'm taking her there. So I just made up in my head, let's just say I'm going to take her for a weekend to Brighton. Just, you know, random place in the UK. Um, so that way she gets slightly appeased because it's somewhere nice. But also when I throw it on her, uh, that she's going to go to Paris, there's going to be immense joy and overriding euphoria. So I told her we're going to Brighton and she was absolutely over the moon. She was like, oh my God, I'm so looking forward to going to Brighton now. This is awesome. This is exactly what I wanted. It was that point, like a small trickle of sweat ran down my brow. Uh, 
to the point where I'm thinking, oh, okay, so she she might she really wanted to go to Brighton, but but anyway, Paris is so much better. So when I tell her we're going to Paris instead, she's going to be like, oh my god, that's absolutely amazing. I can't believe you did that for me. Thank you so much. I love you, love you, love you. You know, one up on the good books for Jojo B. It came to the day before. I thought, right, I want to tell her now that we're going to Paris. So I said, Jojo B, we're not going to Brighton tomorrow. We're going to Paris. Jojo B said, so we're not going to Brighton then. <laughs> no, so now what you really need to listen to this, you need context here, yeah? The context is, is that I really wanted just a very relaxed weekend. I'd said to him, can I have a really relaxed weekend? It's, you know, it'd been, hect- it'd been a hectic year. We had got married the year before. And then we had bought our place and we had spent a good few months every night after work doing the place up, like painting and stuff. So we moved into our flat and then I needed to, I needed to kind of have a break. I wanted a weekend away. I wanted a break. And I got, uh, okay, you're going to get up at four o'clock in the morning and then we're going to fly to Paris and then we're going to fly back that night, which, you know, any other time I would be like, oh my God, that's amazing. I love you so much. And which I did really appreciate and I loved. Oh, we had a, bu- a brilliant day. But what I really wanted was to go somewhere and just sleep for a weekend and just enjoy the relaxation. And that's not what I got. Yeah. So was, at that uh, moment, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jojo B was none too impressed. And uh, it was a very expensive lesson learnt for yours truly. Yeah, I mean, Never surprise this her makes, ever. This makes me sound like a really ungrateful shit. And I had a great time. I had a brilliant time. But whenever he buys me anything, he wants me to scream and jump up and down. And I'm not one of those people. I'm like, oh, this is really lovely. Thank you very much kind of person. And like, you know, and then, you know, like show my appreciation with hugs and stuff. But no, he wants like screaming and like, oh, my God, you're the best. And I'm not American. So I don't do that. <laughs> you know, I'm not a screamer. So I don't do that. <laughs> She's definitely not a screamer, people. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe you said that. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not. That's <laughs> <laughs> insane. <laughs> oh, dear. I just, not, I'm not one of those people that's like over the top with my reactions. Mm. And so he's always disappointed with my reactions. It's, it's just that like, because I get overjoyed with surprises. We've already been through this before. I am like a kid in a candy shop when it comes to surprises. Yeah. So, you know, so that's why I'm just like, I'm always hoping that I get one day. Do you know what? I think deep down, there is that person inside you. No. I just need to find the best possible surprise. No to enable that to happen it won't happen honestly i'm genuinely not like that listeners if you can give me any suggestions for how i can surprise jojo b uh in like gifts or spontaneous things that i can do for her to to get that out of her because i think deep down that woman is in there somewhere listeners if you want to give him loads of ideas about beautiful things to buy me and you know all these extravagant things that he can do for me then great because i will take all of that and happily happily enjoy it all I've just messed myself over, haven't I? You probably won't get me jumping up and down and screaming, though, still. Well, well Newcastle score, you could jump up and down screaming. Exactly. <laughs> so I'd leave that point Football right there. Football is a different thing. Football is a different thing. More, more love than the love of your husband. It's different. It brings out a different reaction in me. 
Yeah, I can clearly see. So I know where the priorities within our marriage no, are. No, because that's the only time you'll see me like that. You won't see me like that at any other time. Okay, so next time I, I, I give you an amazing surprise. I'm more of a crier than I am. Anything else? Yeah, yeah. So I get You cry at like DIY SOS shows like that. Yeah. But I also like if I'm, you know, like I get, I well up with the emotion of mm. the loveliness of it all. Yeah. But you don't like that either. So I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, we're just incompatible people. But somehow we found a way to be together for four years now. I know, know, somehow. Yeah, somehow. Right. So it, the lesson learned here is Jojo B's not big in surprises, but she does enjoy trips to Brighton. And I love surprises. Just don't expect me to scream. <clears throat> She's definitely not a screamer. um right so getting on to the show uh we've had a two-week break from uh our lovely listeners and so there's like an umpteen number of shout outs that have accumulated over that time period yes can i can i just do one shout out first before everybody so i wasn't very well and i was in hospital for two days and i would like to shout out all of the nurses and the doctors but mainly the nurses at hillington hospital who looked after me in all the various wards that I was moved to. Um, They were brilliant and they have a very, very hard job and they have so many things that they have to deal with and so many different types of illnesses and all that kind of stuff that each patient has. But they spend time with everybody and they make sure that you're okay and they have a smile on their face and they were brilliant. So thank you very much to the nurses and doctors of Hingdon Hospital. Yeah, big up the NHS in general. It's it's gone through a lot of issues uh, and turmoil in the last few years. So many job cuts and just uh, economic financial cuts within the system. Uh, And it's, you know, celebrating 70 years this year and we take it for granted. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great institution it's a, you know it's one of those things like we can be proud of here in the UK. Definitely. I think it's the main thing that we should be proud of that we have this and so few other countries do have a national health service and ours is the best in the world. Well, there you go. British yeah. and proud. Big up the NHS. Happy 70 years NHS. You don't look a day over 68. Um right, so shout outs. Jojo B, yeah. we have got more reviews. No way. Yeah, I know you don't like me shouting out any any person that gives us a rating or review. No, I do like it. Of course I like it. Why would you say that? That's a terrible like, thing oh, to say. Because you're like, oh, you know, why are you shouting out? Like, oh, every single review we get. Why don't every single review or rating that we get? I mean, because I live in hope that we'll just be inundated and then it's just going to be really long. But I think that if we, our incentive is to shout everyone out. So hopefully by that, we get more reviews and more ratings. Keep rating and reviewing us. Yes, keep loving us. Show us love. But um, two that we got this past week, one was actually one that we missed from our last episode, which was Tina72P, who said, Brilliant. Finally, a witty, intelligent podcast that truly reflects the views of British Asians. Thank you so much for giving us a voice. Thank you very much, Tina. Thank you so much, Tina, for listening in. Um, and another one we got was from Be Wild You. Be Wild You. Be Wild You. Anyway, Tanbeer is the person who actually sent us an amazing email um, telling us how much he loved the show and, you know, where he's from and how he doesn't get a chance to interact with too many British Asians and how our show gives him an insight into British Asian culture and communities. He actually brought a tear to my eye. I was so touched by it. Yeah. See, look, she, she, she welds up sometimes, like she said. I, mean, I did have a lot of drugs in my system at the time while, yeah. I, was, uh, while I was kind all, of under All treatment, legal, just but... putting it out there. Yes, yes. You know, if any feds that are listening into the show right now. 
Um, but big up Tambir. He also gave us a, a review on iTunes as well. So it says, simply brilliant. A fantastic podcast hosted by two wonderful people who give their thoughts on everything surrounding the British Asian culture in both humor and seriousness. Listen in and it'll feel like your old friends having a good old chat. Oh, thank you very much, Tambir. Big up, Tambir. Listeners to the show are our friends, I like to think. Yes, you know, they are. Friends of a, the native immigrant community. Yes. So we are a community. We're constantly building, constantly evolving. And it's only because of the help and the wonderful support of listeners like yourselves that enable us to continue doing this and giving you the hot topics of agenda every week. Yeah, keep spreading the word, people. Let's grow this community. Absolutely. Um, also want to big up uh, G, who's a friend of mine, who I saw the other day in Sainsbury's. Um, <laughs> because he was he was spending almost £500 on food and drink to give t- all towards charity. That's amazing. Yeah. Sadly, his nan passed away. Aww. And he thought instead of like spending loads of money on you know feeding this people and that people, yeah. he would feed those in need. You That's know? a brilliant thing to do. Big up G. Big up G. You are a star. Uh, also want to give a happy birthday shout out to Katie Robinson, who had a birthday the other week. Happy birthday, Katie. Big up, Katie. Um, and also going back to our last show on Asian fathers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we obviously wanted to get more um, people telling us about their experiences with their Asian dads. Yeah. And um, Isuru Pereira, who's a listener of the show, um, yeah. actually said that he, his dad's story was that he, his dad, when he was 16 years old, Took him to a gig. Mm. That gig was Prodigy. No way. That was my first gig as well. Did you go with your dad though? No. Can you imagine your dad going to a Prodigy gig? He let me go though. I didn't have to sneak out. Yeah, but imagine him accompanying you to the gig. Yeah, I know. My friend's dad yeah, dropped uh, us off. Smack the bitch up. <laughs> oh my God. He would have He would have hit the roof. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't let me go and see Blur that year, but he went. He let me go and <laughs> see <laughs> Prodigy. Prodigy. <laughs> 14. Did you do how did you break it? You said Prodigy are um a British guzzle band. No, because you know what? That year I missed out on seeing Blur and on Oasis tickets, and I'd been on the phone because in those days you had to ring up for tickets, and I'd been on the phone all day trying okay. to get through for Oasis tickets, and they'd sold out in like oh two my minutes. God. Do you remember that shit? You'd be yeah. sitting there like and it'd be like a jingle, and then you are 575th yeah. on the queue. We will answer your call shortly. Yeah. And they'd already sold out. And like, then, yeah, within 10 within minutes, two, sold yeah. out. So then um, I was really upset. And so they'd let me go and see Prodigy because my dad's, my friend's dad was um, going to drop us off and pick us up. My friend's dad was ultra liberal. Wow. So he was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Just tell your dad I'm going to drop you off. It'll be fine. Look at this corruption <laughs> at an early age for Jojo B. But yeah, um, but yeah big up Isuru. Big up your dad. Your, yeah. your dad is a star. Um and obviously, our dads are still stars. Um, I would talk about our dad and his cra- crazy, quirky ways. This past week, watching the World Cup, and uh, there's a player who plays for Tunisia called Badri, mm. uh, B-A-D-R-I. And he was amazed. He was like, look, there's an Indian playing for Tunisia. <laughs> you know what? This is, why I love, this is why I love my dad. <laughs> this is why I love him. He cracks us up. And honestly, every time we go around, we are rolling around on the floor laughing because his dad will say something hilarious. Absolutely. He's the funniest man on the planet. Um, <laughs> but on the other end of the spectrum, something that's not so funny that incessantly gets uh, to the worst of both me and you, Jojo uh-huh. B. Uh, the last few weeks, we haven't heard much from the spawn of Satan downstairs. Oh, yeah. It's gone quiet. It has gone quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. When it comes to our friend Miku. 
But you know what? Something I heard the other day. I haven't heard any screams or anything from him for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. But what I did hear, I heard him sing. Really? He was singing. What was he singing? It's gone. It's it's gone from not being able to formulate any kind of words and just screams, to now words in a rhythmic format in song form. What was he singing? So this is the thing. He was singing, jingle bells. In June. Jingle bells in June. Interesting. Yeah, I kind of like. At first, I was like, "Oh my god, he's singing!" And I was just like, "Oh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, like sit on the floor and put my hands over my ears and curl over just in case the noises from it it made me like evaporate into thin air." You play it backwards, and it's like the words of the devil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some kind of satanic verse. Yeah. Um, but no, it was jingle bells uh, in the in the deep heat of the summer. Um, so, if anything, that added to the mysticism behind Miku. In the fact that you never quite know what's going on in his mind. I know. You know. It's a strange thing. I I fully suspect that the screaming will start again. Unless the terrible twos are over or something. I mean, we live in hope. That's all we can do. But really, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, watching England play. You go in with all that hope and optimism. And then all of a sudden, they always find ways to let you down anyway. So. Is he going to let us down on penalties? <laughs> <He's> gonna, <yeah. laughs> Miku will be the reason. If England get knocked out of the World Cup, it's all Miku's fault. Okay, I'm cool with that. It's all your fault, Miku. Anyway, <laughs> that's the end of the first half of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. Join us on the other side when we're talking about a very serious subject, and that is Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And in this half of the show, we're going to be touching on a subject that, again, with many taboos, unfortunately, in our communities. Unnecessary taboos. Completely unnecessary, especially in this day and age, but still need to be addressed, unfortunately. Yep. So this month in London is the Pride Festival. And around the whole capital, there's loads of events that are specialising in the LGBTQ plus community. Tell us a little bit about Pride, Jojo B. What is the festival itself? So Pride happens all around the world. Right. Um, and it tends to happen in the summer, usually around kind of end of June um, and through July, um, to commemorate something that called the Stonewall Riots. Okay. And the Stonewall Inn was in um, New York, and it was a, it was a gay bar. Um, and it was raided by the police in the 60s, in the late 60s, 1969. Right. And um, off the back of that, there were riots to try and get the rights and the same privileges that everybody else has mm-hmm. for the gay community. Um, so that's why it's it tends to be around that time. Oh, okay. And it's to celebrate the pride of you being you, whoever you are. Absolutely. A lot of events that have been happening at the moment. We were just in Brighton this past weekend and the big Pride Festival concert usually takes place in Brighton in August. Yes, yeah, I believe. in August, um, yeah. So topical for this week is Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I always look at this subject quite similarly to, to forced marriages in that both of those are, have many taboos within, the, within our communities and 
there's a lot of issues, a lot of problems, especially with the older generation and the younger generation and the massive divide that occurs because of those two subject areas. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. I think I think there's too much taboo around the subject of sex in general. Yes. And so when it comes to talking about same sex, sex, yeah, there's even more of a hindrance of kind of wanting of talking about it and being embarrassed to talk about it or feeling that it's wrong and that it shouldn't be spoken about at all or addressed at all. Mm. And I think we need to actually change that and say that it's okay to be open and honest and have these conversations. And no matter what your viewpoint, you should be able to be able to sit down with somebody of the opposite viewpoint and have a conversation with them. Yeah. And educate yourselves. Well, this is it. This is this is the big thing for me. It's the whole educating the ignorant. Yeah. Um, you know, in a lot of these circumstances. And unfortunately, we are talking about our parents' generation, but also people of our generation. Um, yeah, absolutely. The amount of prejudice that I hear coming out of people from our from the mouths of people our age. Yeah. Is ridiculous. Yeah, this you know what? It comes back down to the days of when I was in school and growing up around Asian areas, um, you know, predominantly like 90% Asian. And I'm I'm not you know, I'm sorry to say it now, but at the time school ground chatter would be saying why are you being such a gay for? You know, stop being such a such a gay. Stop being an effing gay. Why are you being such a gay? You know, and it's that awful. was, but that was that was like a normal term of expression back then, which is horrible to say. But again, it's about that whole educating the ignorant. That was a very ignorant time. I don't know whether you know it could still be the case now. I just the other day I had somebody say, um, "I was just being really gay about it," and and I just thought you should probably know better. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you um, should know better. In this day and age, everyone should know better. Yeah. Glad to say that the person I've grown up to be was not the ignorant idiot schoolboy that yeah. I was, but talking the same way, mixing around the same circles, having the same viewpoint as well. You know, really vile language, really vile, very offensive words. But they were looked upon as as the norm, the same way you'd use the word fuck or use the word shit or use the word prat, yeah. pillock and these kind of things back in the days in school. You know, calling someone a gay was a derogatory term, you know. And in those days, how many people used to come out? You couldn't come out in those days. Absolutely not. You know, like, and this wasn't even that long ago. It was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. It wasn't even that long. And so those people who were gay at the time, they were using that terminology themselves to fit in. Yeah. You know, and not be seen as gay. And like, because heaven forbid if you are. And I think... I think we're getting to a point, hopefully, that that's changing. But so many people of our generation, so people in their kind of what mid thirties, they they're not then they haven't changed. They have they no, still use that terminology not. and they still think in the same way because they've stayed in their very small circles and have stayed, unfortunately, very narrow minded. Yeah, but it comes. It also comes down to um, less so religious beliefs and more kind of cultural beliefs. Yeah, it's nothing to do with religion. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, obviously there's there's religions within our community that look upon homosexuality as um, forbidden, you know. But you can, and this is the argument I always have, is that you can pretty much justify everything being wrong through the eyes of religion because there'll be something that you can twist, some verse some line somewhere or another in in a holy book that you can then twist to your own end to make something wrong seem wrong yeah and that's exactly what i believe with homosexuality there's one or two lines 
in a few different books that kind of allude to it. Yeah. And people use that and stick with it. And then and they kind of, you know, that's their card carrying like, here you go. This is wrong. And you're wrong for being that way. And it's just bullshit. Yeah, but it, but it's because of that is is the reason why there are loads of like Asian gay people who end up becoming quite self-loathing, um, you know, and reluctantly accepting that they're gay, but actually hating themselves for it, you know, because all they know is gay is bad because that's how they've been that's taught. It. That's, that's the how culture the, they've grown that's up That's the culture they've grown up. That's, the, that's the, the circles, unfortunately, that they've mixed in. So you're immediately told from early on in your life that being a homosexual is wrong it's forbidden it's against not only your culture but it goes against what your family believe in and what society believes in and if you you always hope that if fair enough your family doesn't your family might think a certain way or they might you know the older generation might be a bit backwards but your friends will not be that way but i think for a lot of people they can't even rely on their friends to not think that way absolutely unfortunately um, I see and I've always been quite open-minded because I had a real diverse group of friends at school and some of them were bisexual you know and have come later out just said you know come out as gay mm. at the time they kind of I guess tried to soften it for all of us by saying they were bi so it was you know I'm just experimenting and maybe yeah. they were because they, we were young you know we were in school so maybe that's what was going on but I was always open to that and I never had a problem with that. But I know a lot of people, because I went to a very mixed school. I went to a mostly white school, actually. Right. Um, so that I was kind of like cool with all of that. But I think the more Asian you get in a school, the worse that kind of culture is. Yeah. That's that's what pervades in that, in that school that, you know, the kids talk this way and they say these things and they, you know, they say Batman or they say you're gay or whatever. And it's growing up in that and being a teenager who's really confused about their sexuality that must be awful yeah absolutely absolutely horrific to not be able to just kind of accept who you are and yeah. fight who you are but you know that's you know that age is all about peer pressure and you know wanting to make sure you fit in because you know schools and those systems can be extremely ruthless yeah and brutal um you know like, like i said like we use that kind of terminology back then in schools and we could have had friends that were gay, but I'll never know now, you know, because yeah. because obviously the way we spoke, everyone I knew back back in school was all heterosexual. But that's the that's the perceived notion that I had. But that's not actually what could have been the actual reality. They well, could the have, chances are they weren't. Well, this is it, yeah. you know. So that's that's a real that's quite a tragic thing when I look back on it now. Um, in that people couldn't come out, and and you know now we're seeing like the same kind of instances of kind of issues for young gay men and gay women within our communities yeah um you know the tragic stories of people like um you know nazim mahmoud who jumped to his death from a balcony in 2015 after coming out to his parents um with his mum saying that he should speak to a psychiatrist and get a cure and now he was a doctor yeah and he was in a very loving relationship yeah and he he was still driven to that point absolutely to do that yeah and leave behind a heartbroken partner yeah absolutely you know and and colleagues that he worked with and in, in, so you know someone it's it's not just coming from someone not having the education themselves or not really you know understanding themselves this guy was a very educated man yeah absolutely you know and and he was in a very happy relationship yeah but that's what happens when you don't have the backing or you have pressure from your family to change your ways and you don't have their kind of blessing to be who you are. Yeah. This is what can happen. Yeah. It's almost like I said, it's very, I find the similarities 
to the whole forced marriage debate really striking. You know, in both ways, it's about, you know, your parents' happiness before yours. You know, parents are, you know, who force their children to get married to certain people. It's more them living your happiness for you. And it's not even for the parents. The parents are doing it for the community. Yeah, so. You know, so what what will people think? It's the people, you know, in inverting commas, that are the ones that end up being more important. These people who've got nothing to do with you or your daily life. They don't have to live in your shoes. They don't have to go to bed with the person that you've been forced into marriage with or, you know, whatever. They don't have to live that life day in and day out. But for some reason, we have to please them. Yeah, it's naming, it's naming and shaming. You know, it's a it's an inherent problem through all aspects of our communities. Um, and why should you have to choose between your family and your sexuality? I find that's just ridiculous that, you know, you're, you're driven to a point where it's like one or the other. Yeah. I mean, my attitude has always been whoever you're having sex with is nobody else's business. Well, exactly. You, you know, know? Whether you're straight or gay, be sensible, be careful and all that stuff. But it's no one else's business. Absolutely not. You know. No one else's right to judge you for that. And you can't even say, oh, we didn't, you know, didn't choose to be this way or choose to be, you know, homosexual or heterosexual. You are who you are. There's no choice in this or there's no non-choice in this. That's the person you are. That's the person you were born as. Exactly. Why on earth should that matter to anyone? You know, this is the problem. It's like we are, our communities are very family orientated. Yes. And this is the biggest problem I find with young gay men and young gay women is that, you know, they're they're the same. They're very family orientated themselves and they're forced to have to choose between making sure that they appease their parents culturally, but also maintaining um, a life that's not a lie. Yeah. And it's so it's such a difficult area for so many of these people. Um, Asians are known as the model community. You know, the kids are brought up to do the right thing. And sometimes how doing the right thing is is kind of perpetuated is doing what your parents say. Yeah. Or doing what your family says or doing what the community says and not living your life in the best way for you. Yeah. And that causes a whole host of problems such as this prejudice towards the LGBTQ community or prejudice towards um, interracial marriages or prejudice towards, you know, interreligion marriages or forced marriages. All of these things come from that. It's this need for us to do the right thing being interpreted as doing what the community says you should do. Absolutely. Um there's a there's a Birmingham-based organization called Finding a Voice run by a gentleman by the name of Kaka and Qureshi, uh, which gives advice to gay and lesbian people of South Asian origin. And in an interview with Media Diversified, he actually said, in my experience, people who identify as LGBT are more likely to keep their orientation or gender identity hidden if they are from a South Asian background. The pressures that this cause are both internal and external from within communities, dogma is rife. And from the outside, diverse sexualities or gender identities and Asianness are often considered mutually exclusive. He went on to say some members of South Asian communities often have extremely conservative expectations and ideological notions of what constitutes a good and decent person or life, ideas that they believe to be part of their cultural tradition. In this environment, individuals who identify as LGBT can be indoctrinated by ideas of shame and izzet, whilst others might fear the very real dangers of reprisals. Now, you know, we've seen countless issues arise like this. And unfortunately, like we've spoke about the, the case with Naz Mahmood, 
that end up in a very dangerous reprisal. Yeah. You know, um, and it's, yeah, it's a, a real inherent problem. But, you know, one thing that I was reading about Jojo B, which we were speaking about the other day, you know, the, the, the issues that Asian gay men and women face within their own community and how much they feel vilified for being gay. Mm-hmm. But another issue that they're facing within their own community, the LGBTQ plus community, is racism, which I found astonishing. So they're, they're from two different sides, they're getting discriminated against. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's disgusting. So not only is it that, they're also from society as a whole facing prejudice as well. So actually it's a three-pronged attack. You've got the South Asian community being prejudiced against you. You've got society as a whole with some of its ignorance being prejudiced against you. And then you've got the racism from within the the community that you think would accept you, which is the LGBTQ plus community. So there's there's kind of divide there as well in terms of the clubs that they go to, the way that they're treated when they go to mixed clubs, you know, mixed race clubs, that is. Um, and they're just, we're tr- they're still treated as other, even in the community that has has faced so much prejudice itself and should yeah, understand what it's absolutely. like to be, to be discriminated against. They discriminate against their own as well. Yeah. Because there's hierarchies. When, with, within all of these kind of communities, there's hierarchies. And those hierarchies like to keep someone below them. They like to keep someone else down. Yeah. And I think the South Asian community, because we already have so much pressure and so many problems with our own community, and I guess the the people from the South Asian community who are LGBTQ+, maybe don't have the confidence naturally to be be out and be who they are yeah and be and and, you know just be able to be themselves and so it's easy to kind of put them down even more yeah yeah i mean that's the way that's the only way that i can think of it happening why would i don't understand i can't get my head around it why it would happen but it does because these are people that have already been discriminated against for centuries now um and they're doing it within their own communities against bame members of the lgbtq plus community white privilege is rife within all areas of life and i guess this is no different yeah it should be they should know better because they face prejudice themselves yeah you know and it's been a long hard struggle for a lot of people to be accepted and you know like even if you watch something like will and grace we were watching an episode the new one of the new episodes and they were talking to so it was will talking to a kind of new generation gay in the program and he was like you don't understand how hard it was for us yeah. to be out in the 90s was really difficult. People were still getting their he- heads kicked in yeah. and, you know, and still getting spat on in the street and you couldn't hold hands with your partner in the street. Mm. And now here you are in, you know, 2018, you can do what you like and you have not got to face the issues that we had to face back then. Yeah. So if you're living an easy life, you know, if you happen to be white and you happen to be living in, a, in London potentially yeah. and you can be out and proud and whoever you want to be, you know, or in a community like Manchester, where there's a massive gay community, hmm. then actually you probably can afford to be discriminatory towards another race, <laughs> that's crazy. which is disgraceful. That's it's just crazy. a disgusting way of thinking. But like I said, that's, you know, white privilege pervades all through life and yeah, all through society. Absolutely. Um, we mentioned this uh, NGO in our show on forced marriages, uh, Karma Nirvana. Um, which is originally set up to support people escaping forced marriages. 
but has recently started supporting LGBT people from the South Asian community. It says that calls to its helpline relating to LGBT issues have snowballed from 93 in 2015 to 124 last year and 205 so far this year. Its founder and chief executive, Jasmina Sanghera, said, We're dealing with the tip of the iceberg. I believe the stories of marriages of convenience and the issues of LGBTQ communities is very much a hidden issue out there. A marriage of convenience is the extreme. However, it goes back to the point of the victim again who knows that if they were not to do that, they would lose their family completely. They would be totally ostracized and disowned, or they may risk significant harm or even murder in some cases. Now, again, this is another big issue uh, within Asians and the LGBTQ plus community within our communities in this marriage of convenience. Yeah, it's living in denial or, you know, leading a double life. So there's another problem that we have that that community faces and that we have as a community as a whole is that we force people into pretending to be something that they're not. Yeah. You know, and so they go into these into these marriages of convenience. So a gay guy will marry a gay woman and then they'll lead their lives separately, you know, and kind of get on with their homosexual life. Yeah. Um, but for their families, they're a married couple. Yeah. And it's even been addressed on that program, Ackley Bridge, that we watch. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah, the... they, there's, a, there's a young girl there, a young Asian girl, and she's a lesbian. Yeah. And, you know, it's suggested to her that she has a marriage of convenience to a young gay Muslim boy yeah, who, you know, because he wants to hide it from his family. His family have no clue whatsoever. Yeah, This girl's mom knows. And so she's like, well, this might be a good fix for you both. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that that's the way out. You know, that, that, that's seen as the way out of this. Yeah, exactly. We'll just pretend to be straight. Well, yeah. It's again that whole finding a cure for you. Um, and this will be the easiest way that, again... We can show face in the community because yeah. from our end, you know, we're, we've looked at with a heterosexual marriage and everything's absolutely fine. Um, and from your side, you know, you can carry on living your life um, and somehow hopefully make it work with someone of the opposite sex who's also homosexual. It's, when, you, when you listen to it back, it's absolutely ludicrous. It's insane. And also, but this happens. And also like now, you can get married if you're gay. Yeah, yeah. So what if you meet somebody and you want to get married? Then what do you do? You're already married to somebody in a sham marriage. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do? Like you want to be you want to commit yourself to your partner. How do you do that now? Like that 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 option is then taken away from you? Yeah, absolutely. But again, I guess it comes back to having to face your family by telling them that you are, you know, uh, a homosexual and again encountering the same problems all the way from the start. In yeah. fact, you've gone 10 steps backwards in order to achieve 10 steps forwards. And then all of this leads on to having an impact on your mental health. Because imagine keeping up the lies. Yeah, absolutely. How do you keep up the lies like that? How do you stay on track of everything? You know, and like, and and kind of maintain that lie for years upon years upon years. Absolutely. Which is what you're planning to do if you go into one of these marriages. Yeah. So that impact on your mental health, as you mentioned with Nazma Mood, you know, eventually... It, it has its toll on you yeah. and you know and the worst case of that is that then you take your own life hmm. but you know it can lead into depression and other you know serious mental health issues that could all be avoided yeah these absolutely. are all things that are avoidable if we are open about these things and if we have you know a bit more of an open mind yeah it's 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 getting to that level of open-mindedness which is the biggest hurdle is, is getting to that, you know, educating the ignorant again, you know, I it's try to taken, reinforce that. 
it's taken society as a whole a long, long time. Yeah. And, you know, and we've just seen this week on the news where they've been talking about using religion to um, kind of, I don't know how, like use religion to get the gay out of you. Yeah. That's that's still happening, you know, even for white people, that's still happening. Yeah, yeah. So that hasn't disappeared altogether. So it's a long, hard struggle. But the only way that we can start that and we can get that process happening is for people to be able to be more confident to come out. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got a few celebrities now that are coming out and that you can look to. So I'm I'm obsessed with the program Queer Eye on Netflix. Mm. I love it. I loved it in the original as well in the 90s. And it's come back on um, Netflix. And I think it's brilliant that they have a very diverse cast. Yeah, you know the the five guys all come from very different backgrounds, and one of them is a British Asian gay man. He's called Tan France. Oh yes, yeah, and and I think he's brilliant. He's the guy who is the stylist. Yeah, he does all the clothes and stuff, but he talks very openly about his issues. He moved to America to get away from the prejudice that he faced here, yeah, and to be able to live his life as he is. Mm. But he had to run away. For that to happen, he yeah. had to move away from his family and he had come out to his family. And I think his mom does accept him and stuff now. But he came out, I guess, at a time when it wasn't very easy to come out. No, absolutely And to not. be who you are. So he went to America to live that life. And now he's all over the TV and he's a huge star. And, you know, he he's owning it and he's trying to represent who he is and not shy away from the fact that yes he's asian and he's really proud to be asian and have that background and he talks about it on the show yeah but also that he's gay you know and there there's there's some episodes in there that are you know brilliant and so heartbreaking as well there's one episode where they help somebody come out to his family oh wow and you know and they all talk about their own their own journeys to that and the prejudice that they faced and how hard it was and you know don't get it wrong like it's still not easy for white guys to come out no absolutely <laughs> you know? not yeah it's a problem for it's a problem for every single community but you know it's not easy i think it, it's just that extra hurdle for a black guy or an asian guy or a black woman or an asian woman or anyone from a, a you know anyone who's a person of color to come out towards to to their communities yeah um it's just that one extra hurdle that makes it even harder yeah absolutely um but you know, so you, yeah, you've got Tan France. You've got a singer like uh, singers like uh, Leo Kalyan. Oh yeah, yeah. Who I'm also a massive fan of. But he's come out and he's very proud of who he is, and he you know tries to stand for LGBTQ plus rights, and you know he talks about it very openly on his social media. Yeah. These are the kind of people that then the younger generation now have to look up to. Well, we did actually reach out to Tan and Leo Kalyan. Yeah, we did. Um, they didn't get back to us. You know, boohoo. But that's but fine. They're, no, absolutely. You know, we still love him anyway. But I did actually read an interesting interview with Leo Kalyan in Burn Roti magazine. Okay. That was out recently. Um, and he actually said, despite all the success I've had with music, my achievements haven't added up to a massive record deal and financial investment. I've had to ask myself, is it because I'm brown, gay and from a Muslim background? It isn't the easiest time in history to be in one of those categories, let alone all three. I've had a couple of experiences in record label offices where this was actually hinted at me. I mean, my opinion on that, having worked in music, is that it's just because he's brown and brown doesn't sell. Yeah. And, you know, that's what made me really jaded with that industry overall. Yeah. I would, I, you know, there's so many singers out there who are gay. So I can't, I can't imagine that being the problem. But the problem that he's brown plus gay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a hard sell, I guess. But being brown in general doesn't work in your favor yeah. if you want to be a singer. I'm sorry. It's just, it's an awful way to be. But that's how the music industry is at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just in the, in the media, culture, arts, there's a lot of uh, people within Asians within the LGBTQ plus community that are in the, the arts, you know, um, in film and television. Um, it's still, I, I still feel there's not enough out there, whether they've been held back from achieving certain things within yeah. within their fields. I don't know, because, you know, I look back at almost 30 years ago, we had uh, My Beautiful Laundrette, Hanif Qureshi's screenplay yeah. Uh, yeah. film that's directed by Stephen Frears, starring uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. And that was, a, you know, a, a film about a, a relationship between an Asian man and, and a white man. Um, and, you know, it was groundbreaking at the yeah. time. But obviously that came out in 85, 86. And then after that you had East is East, where yeah. they, you know, they make reference to, it's not an integral part of the story, but it, it's part of the story, you know, in the film, Yeah, where one of the sons is gay and yeah. he's cast out. He's dead to the family. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they take his picture down like he's died. Yeah, you're exactly, exactly. So the, they, are, they are films that actually push on that, but it's been such a long time. And we've seen little bits of it again in media and stuff to, you know, to open people's eyes up a little bit more. But it still, it still comes all the way back to, you know, our, you know, what is our parents' generation and us. And su- there's such a huge divide in yeah. these in in these thought processes. And I feel for me, I guess it comes back to the fact that, um, you know, when our parents came over from, you know, whether it's India, Bangladesh, or Sri Lanka, whatever, you know, all these places, you know homosexuality was forbidden during that time but they haven't changed that thought process in their head from when they first came over to like right now you know yeah. you know india is it's um you know i know it just only just decriminalized well it actually decriminalized homosexuality in 2009 only to recriminalize it again yeah it's gone back in 2013 yeah. you know under section 377 um, I know, obviously, as of January of this year, the Supreme Court are looking to revisit those laws. So hopefully there'll be some progress there. Fingers crossed. But, you know, it's a, you know we look at things like in India specifically and like, you know, the, the third gender community. Yeah. And, um, you know, at least there's they've been recognized by law now in India, yeah. um, you know, including an option for them on passports and some official documents. So whereas, you know, for the homosexual community, it's a, it's a lot more um, discrimination. But... For the transgender community or the um, the third gender community, yeah. as they're called, they they're at least being recognised a bit more. And you think that India is the land of the Kama Sutra? It's the land of temple carvings where you know everyone's doing it in every which way they can with yeah. whoever they can. You know, there's you know girl on girl, man on man. You know, like it, there's all of that, and it's it's openly out there on the side of you know ke- temples. Yeah. Or, you know, ancient carvings that they're digging up. Yeah. And and then you think of actually the ultra conservative mentality that is in India and that runs through the Asian community here. Yeah. It's just it's like the like world's apart. Like what happened in those few thousand years? What happened? Yeah. How do we How re- regress? Regress so much. Absolutely. When we spoke about forced marriages um uh, during that episode, we spoke about the fact that, you know, communities stay silent and they don't say enough and they don't you know they keep things within their realms and you know yeah. these are these are these are our beliefs and this is our culture and this is our religion and we will not change you know that thought process this is what it is and if you don't abide by those then there's always kind of consequences yeah and it's so true also with with this subject and the subject of um the lgbtq plus community Again, it's it still comes back all the way back down to the fact that, you know, people need educating. You know, our parents' generation who've taught us 
throughout our lives are the ones that need educating yeah. on these situations. There are the odd examples that you hear of, of parents who are, you know, massively open-minded. Absolutely. And so, you know, no matter what, a child or child and we love them. And so they'll try and set them up. Yeah. So there's these situations that I've heard of where like, there's a lovely little, you know, Hindu boy who wants to, who's come out as, as, as gay to his family. And then they're like, okay, so let's find you a nice Hindu boy of the equivalent caste for you to get married to then. Yeah, yeah. You know, so then that becomes arranged marriages. Well, in essence, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's a Rishtar marriage. You know, so with, uh, within the context of, of how they've been brought up and what they think. Yeah. They're trying to understand. It might not be the way that their son or daughter wants to live. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, they might not want to marry somebody within their own caste or whatever. But the parents are at least trying to understand it in some context or Yeah, another. absolutely. And you don't want to, like, you don't want to lose a child over something as trivial as their sexuality. Exactly. At the same time, you know, I've seen some amazing images and, and photos and stuff from, like, lesbian weddings in the UK between yeah. two Asian women. And they're, like, full lengas, both of them, yeah. you know, um, going around the Fedas, it's an absolutely beautiful thing to see. It is. You know, um, and it, it, that's that's progress. That's, you know, getting to a point where, you know, families have accepted, um, you know, their daughters or their sons uh, for who they are and who they always have been, you know, and it shouldn't have any impact on your family and your your name and your izzat, which is the name word I used earlier, in society, because who cares what anyone else thinks? Why should anyone care? This, uh, is, this is the issue. Yeah. People the community it doesn't matter they're not going to live your life for you they're not going to live your child's life for them yeah what matters is the health of your own mind and your ability to be able to be yourself and live your best life absolutely and i think if you're denying who you are in any way shape or form you're not living your best life no absolutely not um, but it's sad, you know, we, you know, we talk about us, uh, me and Jojo B specifically and how adherent we are to our families and with our recent weddings episode. And we always want to make sure that we stay on the right side of our families as well. Yeah. You know, um, there are a lot of people that go against that and then you lose your family. And so you're stuck in this like this massive catch 22 on, on what the right thing to do is. Yeah. I'll always come back to and I know it's not the same in any way, shape or form, but it me leaving home. And going against my family and just saying, well, I'm going to leave home, I'm going to go away to London to work. Yeah. And you can't stop me, basically. Yeah. I did it. And I stood up and I said, this is who I'm going to be. And if you don't like it, then tough. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, that's, I can't compare that to the, to, you know, coming out to your family. Yeah, that's, it's a massive it's, it's step. A, it's a different thing altogether. But in the same way, when you have to say no and yeah. you have to push back. Yeah. You have to do it to be who you are. I needed to do that to be myself and to be because I could have I would have been married when I was 21, 22 otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I would have been living a life that I wasn't happy with. Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to do something that you're not that keen on doing at that point, which is disappointing your parents. Yeah. You know, yeah. disappointing in advertent covers because it's not it's not real disappointment in the end. No, of course. Because they can only be happy or they should only be happy to see you flourish in life. Well, exactly. And and the only way you can flourish is to be who you are. Exactly. Otherwise, you're basically a shell of the actual person that you were born to be. Exactly. Um, there's a there's a great article by Yusuf Tamanna on the AZ magazine, and this is actually what I agree with most. Uh, he said, "I think a lot of this ignorance and intolerance towards LGBT within the South Asian community stems from a serious lack of education. 
They have to remember that a lot of these parents are second-generation immigrants from India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. Homosexuality is essentially a crime in those parts of the world. And upon coming to the UK, that is all they know. Unless it's challenged, these hateful ideas will continue to get passed on to future generations that have been born and raised in the UK. Yeah. You know, it starts from that, unfortunately. It's educating the ignorant. Um, you know, I don't like saying our parents' generation are ignorant because... But they are in many ways. Well, yeah. In essence, they're still very backwards, very uh, regressive in their yeah. thought process, especially when it comes to things like forced marriages is one thing. Thankfully, I can say that people that I know and our extended family and friends are very much against forced marriages. Yeah. I potentially can't say the same thing about homosexuality. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people I know that are still... Um, intolerant towards homosexuals yeah absolutely um and you know and that's you know and there's probably people that might even be listening to this show right now that don't necessarily agree with anything that we're saying but this is my problem with living within segregated communities as well because then that problem persists because you live in your own little bubble of you know whatever community you're from and everybody is thinking the same way what we call backwards anyway um kind of mentality yeah and nothing moves forward i come from a really mixed area i come from a a predominantly white area with a few asians chucked in there yeah and so my way of thinking is very different yeah you know and my friends from back home we they think really differently yeah we're a bit more open to stuff and i think that actually mixing you know, it doesn't mean that you have to move to a white area. It just means that you need to mix and be open to mixing with a wide range of people yeah, yeah. from different backgrounds will then automatically give you a broader mindset. Yeah, it's that it's integration, isn't it? Yeah, it's integration, not just as, you know, living in the UK, but also adapting thought processes yeah. and, and beliefs and, you know, a way of life which is against intolerance. You know, obviously, we've seen so much racism and, and issues of like that within the UK. Um, but the one thing this country has done is kind of made people change the the kind of backwards way of thinking yeah. from uh, like what is old traditions um, that really have no place in today's society. Yeah. You know, um, it's a difficult time for Asians within the LGBTQ plus community before it is now and it still will be. You know, and the only way that that can move forward is by education and discussion. Yeah. Talking about these things. Um, you know, if you know, if you're someone, an Asian um, or anyone in the LGBTQ plus community that's having issues and having inner conflicts or inner turmoil. Um, the NAS Foundation is a sexual health charity based in Hammersmith, founded by the late HIV and gay rights activist Shivananda Khan. It's dedicated to people experiencing better sexual health, especially from the BAME communities. But they also offer support to the LGBTQ communities. So there's monthly support groups, each catering to different demographics for men and for women. And they also run stalls at many LGBT club nights in London, uh, where you can just meet them and chat to their workers and volunteers. Um, you know, it's, it's what it's all about. It's about talking, you know, you know, relaying your actual feelings about this situation and the issues that you're facing, not just within your family, but from your community and from society itself. Yeah. So if you are sitting there and you're listening to this and you're you're struggling with your own sexuality and coming to terms with it and you're not sure where you stand or who you are, please talk to someone. 
talk to someone about this. You know, if you don't feel like you can talk to your friends and family, then reach out to one of these um, NGOs. NGOs and we'll put some details up on our social media. Absolutely. Um, to give you some contacts so that you can go out and talk to them because more than anything, your mental health is very, very important. And coming to terms with who you are will lead to a better mental health for you. Yeah. And like, like I say in all our previous shows, we are not experts on this at all. God, no. You know, we're we're literally just a, a couple discussing an issue which we feel that needs addressing in our small, little, tiny, amoeba-sized podcast. If that stems any kind of discussion that move things forward for whether it's you or people you know that are going through these issues and going through these turmoils, then you know what? That's a step in the right direction. You know, there's things that we could have said that could have maybe been termed offensive or derogatory in any way. We wholeheartedly apologize for that. But what we're trying to do here is stem discussion and stem, you know, change. You know, it's a, yeah. if, even if it's a small little step in the right direction, then we'll have felt that we've done our jobs and fulfilled what we need to do. Exactly. But the, the reason for this podcast in the first place is to address issues within our communities. And this is one of the very big issues that's a massive taboo and it really does not need to be. It shouldn't be. And the only way we can move things forward is education and discussion. Absolutely. Hopefully at the end of this, maybe we might have changed some minds about having a kind of broader mindset and being a bit more open to this because that's what we want to do. We want to be able to start the discussion. Absolutely. You know, because the person that I was 20 years ago, I'm thankful to say that I'm a very different person now. And that comes from education, discussion, talking to people, you know, and maturity. Yeah. And the people that you think are potentially the most mature might not necessarily be the most intelligent or the most tolerant or the most accepting. And, you know, that's what we're all about, educating the ignorant. Well, that's another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. Join us next week for more of the same. I am Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all next week, people. Peace. See ya.